Since we've considered shocha, which includes purity of diet, let's take a brief look at the spiritual benefits of being a vegetarian, and specifically a vegetarian yogi. The mind is a mass of vibrating energy and is limited by the kind of energies that make up that mass of vibration. If the mental energy is heavy or inert, you can't do very much with it to produce the state of clarity and peace that's needed to reflect the truth of spirit. And this is the essence of yoga because you're always your true self. You're always a spirit. And part of meditation is not to heave yourself up or scramble yourself up, let's say like up a mountainside, to get to the perception of spirit. Uh, actually, that's right at hand. That's why Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then, to the disciples, the kingdom of God is within you. Many people don't realize that they're actually experiencing their own true self. They expect to see brilliant lights. They expect to have visions. They expect to fly out of their body and somehow go to infinity. Sister Durga, or actually Durga Mata, one of Yogananda's oldest disciples, once told me about uh, a, a student of yoga that came to her and said, well, my meditations aren't producing anything. I don't think I'm getting anywhere. And so she questioned him as to his actual practices, and he was doing everything right. Well, she had decades of experience behind her knowing that if you do these methods and you do them right, they have an effect. So she says, you mean nothing happens to you in meditation? And he said, well, nothing except that feeling of, of joy that, that, of course, I get in every meditation. And she said, well, don't you realize? Master said, God is ever new joy. So you're beginning to experience naturally. You haven't yet recognized it fully. Otherwise, you wouldn't be questioning me. But the truth is, you are on the absolute right track. And so a lot of people say that, oh, I do it in meditation. Yes, I get calm. Yes, I feel kind of good. And, of course, it doesn't stop there. But it's a matter that we experience this deeper and deeper. And it should begin to last, then, in our ordinary life. But because of... <laughs> I, what else can we say? Because of propaganda and a lot of advertising in the yoga world of today, we're expecting some kind of cataclysmic something. There was a a man who would go through India, I mean, not India, sorry, he would go through America, and, but he did it in India too, and he would uh, touch a person and they'd fall over unconscious or they'd get the shakes and, or they would have these weird... Uh, visions of all kinds of strange things on and on. And the people say, wow, that's really great. And then they would tell all their friends, you better go see so-and-so because this is what happens. But 
they ended up making no spiritual progress whatsoever. The, the guru ended up being exposed as a complete scoundrel. And uh, I must say, personally, I haven't met a single one of his followers that didn't seem to be profoundly mentally damaged by the things that he did to them. And that was it. He did it to them. It, they weren't authentic yogis. Although, of course, they considered themselves the only yogis. That is the way, you know, the less a person has in spiritual life, the more he brags that he has. So what we're wanting to do is to refine our minds. Authentic yoga practices do that. They don't just say, all right, fine, it's like pressing a button and now here we have God realization. It's putting all of the elements of us, all of which are vibrating energies, into the state where realization, or really we could call it self-recognition, is possible. So people will say, well, I just sit and I just sort of go da-da, 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 da-da. But that's like when we take medicine. We take medicine, we swallow it down. Do we feel it working? In fact, sometimes for a day or two we say, well, that stuff the doctor gave me didn't do anything. And then one morning, everything is fine. Well, that's the way it is with this. It isn't good to expect too little, but it's certainly very harmful to expect too much. So anyway, having made, having made that little side trip, let's get back to the energies of the mind and diet. Certain foods make the mind heavy and other foods make the mind light. I've already cited in a previous podcast how the Chandogya Upanishad says, Mind consists of food. In other words, the food you eat is going to become, that's what your mind is going to be made out of. And then it says, that which is a subtle part of milk moves upward when the milk is churned and becomes butter. In the same way, the subtle part of the food that is eaten moves upward and becomes mind. Thus, mind consists of food. The Prashna Upanishad says, from food has arisen strength, the word uses virya, austerity, the Sanskrit word uses tapasya, mantra, action, and the world itself. Taittiriya Upanishad says, by food indeed do all the pranas become great. Now this is very important for us as yogis. There are five pranas in the body, they all have very vital functions, and they all have a part in the fruition of yoga and the realizations which yoga brings. Therefore, food, obviously, is the number one thing to think about when we become a yogi. Because the Taittiriya Upanishad further says, truly, man consists of the essence of food. Now, of course, it doesn't mean the Atma, but all the rest of us consists of food, of the energy of the food we eat. That's why it's not enough just to be a vegetarian. If you eat junk vegetarian food, you'll have junk energy in your mind. This is an extremely important thing to know. 
and I'm always astounded when I look at vegetarian magazines and they will give recipes and then it will say, and this wine is good to go along with this. Oh, what possible use is it to be a vegetarian if you're going to be killing your brain cells with alcohol? We must realize that the spirit is not what gets liberated. It's ever free. What becomes liberated really is the mind. But that liberation then affects the way the ever-free spirit is able to function and also to rise to higher worlds. So to attain liberation, the mind has to be purified and refined. And diet is the number one thing that matters. It's the number one element. All the yoga techniques in the world, all the yoga practices in the world mean absolutely nothing if the mind cannot be affected by them. We can't get a marble statue from clay. We can't get wheat bread from barley flour. The end product is going to consist of the nature of the material we started with. And that's the way it is with our bodies, gross and subtle. They are going to reflect the character of the food which has gone into their formation. In fact, our entire being, except for the pure spirit, is going to be determined by the food we eat. So we really are what we eat. When the energies inside us are positive, they produce harmonious states of mind and behavior. But when those energies are negative, they move in a random and chaotic manner, and they produce negative states of mind and therefore negative behavior. And these toxic energies are what manifests as physical illness or defects. Substances that are toxic to the body, such as meat, alcohol, nicotine, mind-altering drugs, are toxic on the inner levels as well. And to take them in poisons all our bodies by putting into them negative destructive energies that are going to manifest in a disrupting manner. On the other hand, fruits, vegetables, and grains are reservoirs of pure basic life energies, which are very light and malleable. And these energies are easily assimilated into all our bodies and easily purified and refined even further by the practice of meditation. To put a really sharp point on it, diet is one of the major determining factors that will lead or lead away from our success in spiritual life. In other words, diet determines whether we will succeed or fail in, in spiritual life, and especially in yoga. And I've seen this absolutely. People who become totally vegetarian have almost a total chance of succeeding in spiritual life as yogis. Those who eat occasionally a little this and a little bit of that, and I never ask questions about what's in something that's given to me, and when I go home to mom's for Thanksgiving, etc., okay, these are just piddle around yogis, and they're going to have nothing but a piddling mode of success that will lead them to failure. That's the truth. The Bhagavad Gita says, 
One acts according to one's prakriti. That means the energies of which the bodies are made. Then the Gita continues, even the jnani does so. Beings follow their own prakriti. What will restraint accomplish? In other words, we can force ourselves to act correctly, but if our mental energies are aberrations and they aren't right, eventually we will get wrong behavior and we will get either wrong perception or no perception when we sit for meditation. A lot of supposing moral or spiritual problems are matters of energy behavior. So if the energies are purified and recentered to where they belong, instantly the problem vanishes. But such a purification and repositioning is not possible with energies other than those absorbed from sunlight, air, and plant life. Shortly before the time of Jesus, a great master lived in Greece. He was called Apollonius of Tiana. He went to India. He lived there with the yogis, studied and learned, and as a master yogi, returned into the, what was in the West. And he worked many miracles. And when people would ask him, how do you work the miracles? He said, I have never eaten the flesh of animals. Now, this was a master speaking. That's someone just cracked on a, on a dietary craze. And it's an amazing thing to say. But he means because of the energies of his mind and will, he could accomplish miraculous things. Of course, he didn't mean that that alone made him a miracle worker. Otherwise, all vegetarian animals and humans would work miracles. But what he meant was that the condition of his mind and body that resulted from being a strict vegetarian had enabled him to be a yogi and practice the disciplines he had learned from the yogis of India, themselves, of course, pure, strict vegetarians. Well, I think you get the idea. So the best part about all of it is that we can discover the truth for ourselves by simply trying a, a wise and nutritious, of course, vegetarian diet. It has to be one that will nourish the body correctly. But those who go on a vegetarian diet, eat correctly, meditate correctly and regularly, they will find the benefit in their mind. Sometimes it takes a while or sometimes a change comes and we don't realize it. But it will happen. It's been my experience and that of every vegetarian I have known. And I'm sure it can be that of many, many others who have the wisdom. In fact, I knew a man who was extremely old and in extremely marvelous health with a fantastic mind. And he used to say, becoming a vegetarian is the beginning of wisdom. And I agree. <laughs>